Eileen Townsend, and I'm the editor of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor, a trade magazine for the forest products industry that's based out of the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. This month on the Northern Logger Podcast, we're talking to the youngest members of our industry to find out more about their daily challenges and also about what they think the future of the industry looks like. All of our guests on this month's program are 29 years old or younger. While many people who know this industry will say that it's an aging business, that's not the whole story. There are still plenty of passionate young people who are pursuing a career in timber harvesting. And many have figured out how to start their own businesses, whether they be fully mechanized operations or whether they're running chainsaw and skitter. Cody Johnson is one such young business owner. Johnson grew up cutting firewood with his dad. When he went to Paul Smith's for wildlife studies, he discovered that he had a passion for timber harvesting. While taking the forestry and timber harvest class, I found that I like logging and I wanted to start a business doing it. So pursued, uh, I got my first loans and my first properties right out of college and I uh, got right into it. It was stressful at times. I found it, it's, it's definitely doable, um, but I found it very difficult trying to get loans uh, because I didn't have a a long enough credit history because I was so young because I started when I was, uh, I started my business when I was 20. It was very difficult to get loans. So I went through different banks, uh, different resources. And then eventually my grandfather, of course, you know, pledging for the loan, I was able to get my first loan, which was $55,000. And uh, of course I bought my first skitter of that. In terms of the properties, my first property is a 150 acre piece. Uh, one of my alumni friends uh, helped me purchase it on stumpage. And by that fall, I graduated and I bought, of course, I bought my first machine, which was a 648 G3, a one inch grapple skitter. And then that January, we started our first job. Some of the biggest challenges, especially at the beginning, uh, was assessing the value of the timber in such a way that I could compete with larger loggers and mills. And not that I, not that it wasn't accurate. It was just that, you know, I, at the time I didn't have the knowledge to be more precise with my estimates. And that's something I've gotten a lot better at. Yeah, I did. Of course, I, most of my properties, I work uh, off percentages. So I offer the landowners a percentage for their wood or a price per thousand. The other biggest challenge I had was unscrupulous, equipment dealers and log buyers. What I didn't know at the beginning was, you know, that I would bump into a lot of people like that, uh, you know, that, you know, that were, you know, that tried to take advantage of me in different ways, such as, you know, selling me equipment that had faults in it that I wasn't aware of because I was not as knowledgeable at the time. Um, some of the other challenges I've dealt with were fluctuating wood markets because when I started that particular year, uh, wood prices were really low on everything. Uh, and chip prices had also dropped drastically low. I think at the time it had dropped to around 21 or $22 a ton, you know? And so I had to, I had to deal with that, you know, being a new business owner, you have, even though my overhead was low, it's still a lot. The other challenges I had were prior or a few years after that, uh, we were getting really warm winters, you know, dealing with climate change, if you want to call it that, working around that challenge, you know, because we're always getting posted early in the spring, you know, the lots would get wet, 
Uh, so learning methods, using the equipment I had and utilizing it, you know, to perform clean, efficient harvesting jobs and doing it quickly. I would say unless you have the resources to get the loans or good mentors, such as what I had, you know, when I, my first year I started to meet other loggers that would give me advice and wanted to back my business. Unless you have something like that, I would, I would highly recommend working with someone first and not a large company either. I would, I would recommend someone wanting to get into it to work with a small logging business, you know, someone that utilizes chainsaws, cable skitters, grapple skitters, you know, stuff of that nature. If you, I, you know, a low overhead business. I think if you go to work for a large uh, logging outfit, you're not really, I don't think you're going to get as much out of it because you're basically just an equipment operator. If you work with a smaller logger, well, a lower, a traditional logger, I guess I call that, you're going to learn about, you're going to learn a lot more about uh, repairs, log, uh, grades of logs, where to market your wood, uh, how to treat landowners, how to get contracts. You're going to learn all that and, and, and not have to deal with the overhead. If I could have done it over again, would I have want, would I have done that? I, I, I probably would have liked to have done that for a year or two first. I did work with the, our, another small logging outfit and they helped me get some of my first lots, but I only worked with them very briefly. It was for maybe a week at the most. And so I had a lot of people to give me advice and mentor me, but unless you have those types of resources and you have an insatiable drive to be successful and work through anything, have the working capital and either have some knowledge of mechanics or someone that can help you do it. Like my father, that's the only way to go. I think actually, if it wasn't for my father, he was a mechanic most of his life. I, I wouldn't have a business right now because he kept me afloat with repairs. Everett Thurston, who's 29 years old, has worked for himself for three years. He started out as a weekend warrior before making the leap to full-time self-employment in 2015. Well, just how to, what should I do? Should I just do the conventional way and just keep my skitter and do my chainsaw work and, um, yeah, you know, just the safer route was mechanized and everyone's heard the horror stories of logging accidents. It's not even, you know, it's closer to, uh, not a matter of if it's a matter of when as far as accidents go. So I decided that if I was going to do it, I was going to do it cut to length, I guess it's a little safer. and. I mean, I still, don't get me wrong, I still have to bell trees with my chainsaw and stuff still, but limiting my exposure, I guess, was the biggest factor. So uh, what is it about this this job that you like? Being outside, playing with big toys, I guess you could say. I went to Paul Smith as well for forest technologies, and I guess that's where I kind of started getting hooked i guess so to speak i i didn't i did probably a year's worth of homework and research and talking to people and you know just with different i mean no no harvester heads created equal or system you know there's so many different factors that go into making the decision i guess and 
I went to you know, my first set of equipment. The Ponzi came from Wisconsin. I went out there a couple times, looked at it, talked to some people. So another logger near me with a Ponzi, and I talked to him a lot. He kind of helps me out still yet as far as mechanical things go because there's a lot of things, to, a lot of moving parts on this those rigs and they require a lot of maintenance which i knew getting into it well i've learned a lot that's for sure from all aspects from mechanical things to working in the woods to i mean even bookkeeping skills and stuff i did i do wish i had better bookkeeping skills before i started i use quickbooks and i've been working my way through it i finally have talked to enough people that helped me out enough it's user friendly for the most part. There's just, especially when you get into employees, it's kind of, if you're doing it, not just, if you're doing it correctly, you got to withhold money and pay, make sure you pay your liabilities on time and file this form correctly with this stuff. Well, what's the workman's comp situation like where you are? I'm mechanized now and I think my rate's almost $20 a hundred. And, um, you know, it's a challenge for me to do it legally and there's such a gray area with not to get too political with whether who can be a subcontractor and who can't and people that are doing it kind of in the gray area you know have an advantage over me as far as bidding work and it's a challenge for sure it's a big challenge the workers comp issue Like Thurston, Josh Rich, a 24-year-old harvest contractor out of Walgrass, Maine, finds the administrative aspect of the business more than half the battle. You're you're really responsible for your success or failure. You know, there's a lot of outside sources as well that can, you know, play a role in whether you do well or not. But really, you have to have learned nobody's going to help you if you, you know, make a wrong decision. So we've, you know, had a couple instances of learning opportunities, but, you know, there's you just have to work hard. Some days are 16 hour days. Some days are normal days, but you know, no, nobody's going to, you know, you don't have anybody to fall back on to. So you have to, you know, put in those extra hours and make those hard decisions and surround yourself with those good people. And it's uh there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with it, but that's what keeps it interesting for me, I guess. At least for the five year plan, I'd like to stick around here and, and, uh, see how this works out i we grew another two employees this year in another machine and i was always under the impression of you know grow as fast as you can whenever the opportunity arises and then we got to that point and now there's you know more employees more personalities more costs not necessarily more profit to to match that extra responsibility so i think we're going to maintain our size for the moment and see what you know new opportunities come up every day but it's a good we're in a good spot right now i had some experience with you know um, with the equipment you know i've always been around equipment since i was 16 you know so that that came relatively easy just the running of it and the maintaining of it you know that comes with just seat time and just general breakdowns and whatnot the managing people is i believe the hardest aspect of it because you pretty much have to be uh everybody's different you've got to treat everybody uh everybody the way you want to be treated and still that might not uh work for for each employee but i once you have a good team you really have to work 
work your hardest to keep them together. You can get all the new equipment you want, but if you don't have responsible people that want to be there and care about your company's future, you really don't have have much. So I'd say that's that's the part that's taken the most getting used to. But I feel like you know I've had I've had one guy that's been with me from the beginning, and I feel like he'll be with me for quite a while. You know, once you have somebody like that, that you can just trust to go take care of a certain task and not have any worry about it. That's uh, that's invaluable. Owning still seems like an intimidating prospect to 20-year-old Kevin Massey, who works for J&J Log and Lumber out of New York. Um, as of now, I'm pretty comfortable. Um, you know, I'm running. I just want to get as much experience as I can. I haven't really thought too much into the future about working for myself at all. But, you know, the company I work for, it's a great company. You know, they're definitely willing to, they're willing to teach an 18-year-old how to run a pretty expensive machine. So I want to give them a lot of credit for that. The last job I was in Pennsylvania, it was a lot of bigger veneer quality cherry. You typically don't cut veneer quality cherry with a hot saw like what I'm running, but it was an overstory removal. So there was pretty, there's not a whole lot of trees per acre um, that would make saw logs, but there was a lot of brush, a lot of understory beneath it. And that's why they needed the hot saw in there to, you know, clear a path trees that we're taking but it was definitely you know the person that was buying the cherry actually said to my my boss you know that kid's pretty brave for cutting you know three thousand dollar tree with a hot saw my co-worker actually told him yeah we haven't we didn't really tell him the price of the trees yet you know just so he wouldn't get nervous over it but it was definitely you know you gotta be very patient and you know think everything out Carter Voisin, who's 21, runs a processor in Fort Kent, Maine. He sees owning his own business as the goal someday. In the meantime, he's studying the industry from every angle, so he has a chance at success when it comes time to push for himself. I don't know. I like kind of messing around with the business side of things, with the numbers. Uh, I'm always looking for ways to produce more in a shorter amount of time and uh, make it easier on the machine and the guy in the machine so i'm always uh keeping track of my daily production uh, my fuel burn uh, everything that kind of goes in with running the business uh, i just paying attention to all that stuff can really benefit you especially with the rates at the way they are some rates are tight right now but uh paying attention to all the numbers that you have can can really benefit you We've compiled a list of tips recommended by these young entrepreneurs. Look below in the show notes for a link to the podcast website where you can find a list of links to these resources. This has been your editor, Eileen Townsend. Thanks again for listening to the Northern Logger podcast. Just like our print publication, the Northern Logger magazine, this is a way for you to get important information about the industry. But now you can listen from the cab of your truck or the cab of your feller buncher. If you like the podcast, do me a favor and send along this web link to coworkers and friends so that the podcast can reach new listeners. If they're new to podcasts, that's okay. On our podcast website, you can find a simple guide to subscribing to podcasts. Tune in next month to hear more about your logging community.